Hello. This is the Fight Sites MMA podcast. I forgot what I was going to say for a second. Uh, I'm Ed Gallo. This is Shiro Morali Darn. We just successfully started the podcast. No hiccups. Uh, didn't fail a simple task. Definitely not. Um, yeah. No, uh, last week we talked a little bit about events, but mostly we talked about some questions that we got from our patrons on Discord. Shout out to our patrons on Discord. They're cooler than all of our other patrons. Uh, because they uh, at least pretend like they want to be friends with us. So that is why we made the site. I crave that kind of validation. Yeah, we made the site so people would pretend to be friends with us. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it feel like an exclusive club and not just, you know, first come, first serve. That's why I got into this this business in the first place. You know, MMA journalism, just to make friends, really. Um, it's, worked, <laughs> it's worked very well. See my entire Look head. at us. There Look at are. us now. Yeah, lots of friends around the world. So. There we are. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're going to do more questions before we jump into more event discussion. And yeah, the events we're discussing are uh, the results from the Dumont Lad card. Not all of them, just like one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> then, I would uh, guess not even some of them. <laughs> and then for the Bellator card, um, just a little bit of discussion about what happened there. And then we'll talk a tiny bit about what's upcoming on the Costa Vittori card, even though none of these cards are very exciting. <laughs> but then after that, next yeah. week, we got some stuff. But We'll just chill for now. So what else What else do we have in terms of patron questions and who asked them? Right. So first one we have, okay, his Discord name is Fenboy Nipples are safe for work. Mm. So the, the fact that he said that means that I can say them on here. Yeah. That, that's the rule. Safe uh, for work, safe for podcast. Yep. Uh, this is our work. Uh, exactly. We missed this last time, so I'm sorry about that, Mr. Uh, I'm Fenboy. not sorry. He deserves it. <laughs> All right. So also I asked this question before, but there are more people here, so I can ask again. If you can find high-quality footage of a lost fight, which one would it be? And he clarifies uh, it can be a sanctioned fight, which he prefers in a combat sport, or just a funny gym war, which obviously raises the question for me of how hard did Michael Johnson drop Kamaru Usman? <laughs> uh, well, that, that brings me a whole bunch of places, all the different suggestion lines. I mean, when I, as soon as he said, like, gym war, uh, a couple things sprang to mind. One, I want to see Mike Pyle do his thing apparently he's the oh, gym yeah, champion <laughs> um and he was like running the show at extreme couture and was like the best guy there so i'd love to see that um yeah i'd like to see anyone who's like way better in practice like someone who's really good but like just has does really well um i also do you remember the story about vanderlei and shogun were arguing over who gets like a puppy um <laughs> and they fought for the puppy and i think vanderlei knocked him out and, and, took, and got the puppy <laughs> Uh, a real shoot box energy yeah yeah so that's one i think i'd just like to see just because i don't know vanderlei knocking out shogun sounds pretty crazy i don't know when it was but but yeah all the shoot box sparring was probably amazing um yeah i mean there's probably a ton of great sparring i, I know everyone loves that session between uh volk and peter Jan. Um, that's a good one yeah. that's like i bet there's tons of stuff like that um so what anything for you in terms of training uh i mean honestly pretty much anything from hoofed because I know those oh, yeah. guys go super they, hard. They post it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they post parts of it. I don't really know if they post the most intense stuff because obviously mm-hmm. it's just, you know, you could really tell, like, I don't want them. Like, I guess it's kind of nice in a way, just because like, you don't want them to waste all their brain cells for nothing. Like Michael yeah. Johnson clearly has. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I mean, I think I actually think Nova Unia would be interesting, not in a gym war sense, but more in like, how do these guys develop yeah. all the same skill sets at the same time? You shouldn't be able to create mini Aldos out of Hakran Diaz. That's not supposed to be possible, and they've done it. So I, I think that kind of stretches the definition a little bit. 
It's because it's not like I want to see a gym war where it's like a legit fight. I want to see no, how they train. Depth documentary of other training. <laughs> yeah, like but it's from the past. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, all these are from the past. Yeah. Uh, can't really think of that many. I guess shitty kickboxing has a bunch of good talent. Um, so but are they sparring with each other? I know there's like footage of like Volk taking Izzy down, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> I know that would happen in real life, like in a fight. Izzy would have no chance. Yeah, no. Just Volk, even Volk you don't even out. need size parity. Volk would just like. <laughs> Transitional work him to death. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, in terms of like actual fights, there aren't like in MMA. There aren't any that like, jump out at me that I really want to see that I can't. Um, like the, the ones that are hard to get a hold of. Like uh, a great fight is a uh, Eddie Alvarez versus Pat Curran. Also, like all the fights between like Curran and Pitbull and Strauss. Only some of them are available online. Every fight's available. That's like happened in MMA pretty much um, through like torrent sites. It's just a little bit of work to get them. So. Uh, it's kind of a pain in the butt. So I, you know, I have the downloaded version of, uh, what was I saying? Current and Alvarez. I have that. I have, I have the Pitbull fights. So like there's just some old Bellator fights that, um, really good that it's hard to get a hold of. And, uh, in general in MMA, what I really want to see is jungle fight. I want to see vintage oh, that's a good one. jungle fight. I want to see all these, <laughs> these Brazilians in their, in their physical primes, just, you know, doing doing their thing because i'm sure it was it was a wild place um because like these guys are coming to the ufc i'm I'm gonna totally generalize i have no idea if they all <laughs> came from jungle fight but like um a ton of them did so Trinaldo, uh i think figueredo alcantara figueredo like guys like that um but some of the older ones too like they just they spent a lot of time there and there's so many fights that we haven't seen and so many of the good guys are fighting each other also at different weight classes um like it's just, it just it seems like madness um so i'm sure that'd be really cool to watch oh you mentioned different weight classes i have to mm-hmm. see Rafael Asuncao versus jorge masvidal yeah <laughs> that fight has to be out if it's not out i'm going to i will assault someone because that fight has to exist somewhere mm-hmm. um uh in terms of mma i think a bunch of russian fights Oh, yeah. uh, there's, uh, I think Edward Vartanian versus Ali Bagov won the one that uh, Vartanian won. Uh, I don't think that's available anywhere, which is a real shame. A uh, bunch of, I mean, bunch of those, the three big uh, ACA guys. A lot of their early fights aren't really available, so you know, I'd like to see, especially since a lot of them have been taken down off YouTube, which is just super annoying. Because like, if I want to go back and replace the gifts in the uh, AAA article, I just cannot these days. Yeah. It's such a shame. Uh, so. You know, I guess that's another question answered why I don't go back and replace all those. Sometimes the sure. footage just doesn't exist anymore. So uh, that would be very helpful. But yeah, uh, Asunsa Masvidal is the one that should be the classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know um, Asunsa has talked about it. It's like he lost a round really badly, but he ended up land praying him. But in my mind, it's just all leaping right hand counters. Yeah. It's like just fucking jumping at him. Just prime, prime Asunsa. Uh Yeah. Uh, if you ask this question to someone who isn't a boxing or a Muay Thai, I'm sure they'd have a ton uh, that they yeah, would I guess say I'll speak because... on their behalf and say Harry Greb, like any of them. Any any fight. <laughs> I, I would think they'd appreciate that. You're welcome, yeah. Ollie. Yeah. Um, and, and then in Muay Thai, I think there's like a, a bunch of golden age, fo- golden age footage that people haven't seen. Uh, so that's probably where people go with that. Kyle McLaughlin has a, a good collection of uh, old school fights that aren't available anywhere else. So. If you're curious about what happened, something like, Kyle, do you have this fight? Like, you know, ask him, what is he on Twitter? Is he combat? Chronicle? Combat CHR. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it's like, look up Kyle, but that's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll find him. Um, but yeah. In terms of wrestling, uh, like collegiate and freestyle wrestling, freaking most of it, man, <laughs> yeah. most of it is not available. 
Um, it's a bummer. Even wrestling college from like 15 years ago, you can't find most of it. Most of it is not archived anywhere available. I'm sure the footage exists somewhere, but it's just like, it's not, you can't find it. So it's private collections. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. Um, and freestyle it's worse, but, um, yeah, it's like, it's really bad. Um, and USA wrestling used to have like all these videos archived that they, they lost a lot of footage. Um, it was mostly freestyle, but like, damn, they lost a lot of footage. So it's just, it's a shame because, um, there's so many matches that you could, you could see, um, but they're all gone. And at least with jujitsu, like when they started having ADCC and stuff like that, uh, Mundials, they, they started recording them pretty quickly. Um, so I feel like a lot of that is available. It's probably not easy to find the footage, but there is a lot of old, old footage floating around, but yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is MMA is such a young sport and it's been so heavily regulated. It's tough to get anything under the radar that's important. Um, but yeah, a bunch of other sports that are less heavily regulated is probably the right answer. Uh, I know when um, Diesel Noy versus Samark came out, that was right. a big deal for a lot of the Muay Thai heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I pretty much just gauged that off Ryan, really. Uh, it was a big deal for him. I watched so it. Was it was sick. For, I didn't yeah, need to be able, <laughs> super into Muay Thai to, to see that it was sick. Well, yeah, but I mean, contextually, to determine how big of a deal it was, yeah. it's like pretty much a, a goat-making performance. Uh, so, you know, pretty much anything from those two guys, I would wager. Uh, he's mentioned, I think, for Charnoy and like Puth Lorlek, so those guys as well. But, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of Muay Thai guys have like hundreds of fights. So even the guys with like a bunch of fights on YouTube, like I've watched a bunch of Eurofall fights. I'm sure there are a ton more that are just missing and he's just done a ton more cool lead uppercut stuff. So, you know, that would be cool. But yeah, I think that's the end of this question. Um, I think there's just one more that we need to address for now from Matt. So thank you for the normal name, Matt. Um, What is it that makes Stryker? Is it Matt Joya or is it somebody else? No, it's a, it's a patron name, Matt. Matt Joya doesn't exist. Not shout out Matt Joya. (laughs) Nothing for you. (laughs) Right. Uh, so what is it that makes strikers like Aldo and Whitaker so good at defending takedowns and why have so many others failed to copy their success in defending takedowns? The way I see it is that if the concepts and techniques they use, uh, it can't be too hard to break down their fights and copy what they do. I've had a fair bit of success doing it myself in training. So the thing with Aldo specifically is that it, a lot of it comes down to his positioning on the feet. So it's hard to be good at two things at once in that sense in MMA. Like there aren't too many people who have like impeccable positioning standing where guys can't just draw responses and get to good angles. And that's a lot of what Aldo's success was. Um, he'd be able to like pivot away from strikes and be able to pivot away from takedowns. And suddenly you're like hanging on to his ankle and he's just dragging you across the floor. Like that's a lot of Aldo's success. He's a tremendous pure wrestler, but a lot of his success comes from just you never being in position to shoot a clean takedown. Uh, Whitaker, it's, I think it's a little bit more complex. He's insanely athletic. That's one thing. Um, he has a really good game, even with all the bursts that he does, he has a really good game for defending takedowns, you know, the low lead hand, but even all that takes a lot of defensive comfort on the feet. So I think a lot of it comes down to a, they're really good strikers with games optimized for that. And B, they're just like the, the most insane athletes you've seen at their weight classes, arguably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a, an article on the subject for each man. So lucky you, uh, just type in wrestling for MMA and then the person's name. So wrestling for MMA, Jose Aldo and wrestling for MMA, Robert Whitaker. Um, all of the streamable links in all of my articles are broken because I was banned permanently. Uh, I don't know what for, but I was banned permanently, so you can't really watch those, but um, there should be other stuff in there, and the words are probably yeah, You can imagine. Decent. It's yes. a great world builder. <laughs> so let me know if the article still holds up, even without the clips working. The clips are hyperlinked anyway, so it's like, 
not like they're embedded. Um, but anyway, yeah, sure. I'm touched on it. It's a lot of things, you know, it's the stance, the hand positioning, um, with Aldo, it's like stopping people from even getting clean shots on him because of his positioning and the way he, he controls distance, like his jab and his ability to, you know, circle around you. Uh, but yeah, then they're both great wrestlers. They hand fight really well. They got great hips. So like part of what people call like feeding the single, it's really just having great hips and, and turning bladed uh, when someone shoots straight on you. You don't want to give them that straight angle. So you have to wizard and turn off. And when he wizards and turns off, he goes to the next thing really quickly. He posts out in the head. He turns his knee out. He kicks his leg out. He limp legs. Uh, Whitaker, Whitaker can do that as well. Uh, Whitaker prolongs the scrambles a little bit more. He's not as good as getting clean separations as Aldo. He's not the as uh, urgent and natural as a hand fighter. Um, someone else to watch who I think now is getting credit as a really good wrestler is Peter Jan. Um, and I've, I've been calling for this since before he was in the UFC, but he, he can wrestle his ass off. Um, it's just because he he actively really wrestles with people. <laughs> he puts himself in bad positions sometimes because he, he can. Um, he can get away with it. So he's been taken down by like weird people like Dodson, and Susan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just like every time it happens, you're like, okay, I can see how that happened. Um, it's not like he was lacking in any area. He just wasn't that concerned, um, with protecting himself. So, um, just watching these guys flat wrestle, you can see how active they are with peeling off grips, you know, posting on the head, you know, getting angles, uh, turning their hips out, turning their knee out. Um, yeah, it's just like, they're, they're doing everything right. Basically, uh, with Whitaker, I, I definitely think he, leans more on just being freaky because a lot of the time he'll he'll be in not the best position and he'll he'll hit some sweet move uh to keep the scramble going and get out like uh when he uh, uh hit a hip heist against uh yoel romero like he was he was fighting the handsy you know hit it was just a really well-timed uh transition that got him a lot of space that he can build up and get to the cage um but yeah stuff like that is is definitely important um and yeah that's like that's that's a combination of all the different things I talk about. It's like just being a wrestler, being like a good defensive wrestler and being an anti-wrestler because being an anti-wrestler is actually about what you do as a striker to make it harder for people to wrestle you. So matching levels on strikes, throwing a lot of straights to the body, throwing like a, if you want to catch a lot of doubles with up, uppercuts, um, you want to catch doubles with underhooks rather like throwing to the body wide uh, or throwing uppercuts and uh, you know, kicking straight to the body sometimes cutting off exits, it's just like all the things that translate to being a good striker normally still make it like make it harder to wrestle most of the time. So, um, there's a lot of, that, a lot of that conceptual stuff that I cover in my articles. Um, in my Twitter bio, I have a link to a document that has all of my articles organized. So you could go pick out like who you want to see examples from. And there's a lot there about like actual wrestling, uh, freestyle in college. So you could probably get a good bit of information out of those if you want to dig through them. Uh, and that's my shameless plug, my first of many. No need for shame. This is our podcast. No shame but, here. Yeah. Uh, all that said, uh, there is stuff that people can learn from Aldo and Whitaker, even without being as good at wrestling, which I think what uh, Matt was bringing up is a lot of it's just urgency, which is something that we don't really see all that much, right? Like when yeah. guys have a grip on them, Aldo and Whitaker or and even Peter Jan. Like I remember the, what, the time I knew Peter Jan had Ultimate Sterling beat was like in the first minute of the fight where it, Sterling shot and Jan was on his wrist like before he even connected the grip. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most insane things I've just seen in a long off. time. <laughs> yeah, he just like he grabbed his wrist out of the air. It was like the fucking superhero shit. But mm -hmm. uh, like they're insanely proactive about dealing with grips. When they go down, they don't concede the position for even a second. And yeah, they, it takes a lot of technical skill to do that, right? You can't just try hard against really good top players. But there are a lot of fighters with good habits on paper 
who sometimes concede positions because they're gassed or because they're not as comfortable in those positions. So that's the sort of thing that you can learn, right? And like stuff like grip fighting, it's tough. It's definitely not easy to learn, but once you've learned it, it's the sort of thing where if you're urgent with it, it's going to make it really tough for guys to really complete those mm-hmm. uh, those on the cage stuff or even like get in clean. So yeah, there, there are things that are learnable, but with Aldo and Whitaker specifically, there are a ton of things that aren't. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think we're done with the questions. Now on to a Good couple questions. of scintillating cards. Uh, so um, I am okay with not spending time on Dumont Lab besides just talking about uh, the main event. But can I give some shout outs? Sure. To members of the card. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Dana. I don't know how to say his name. Bat Gary. Uh, Dana Batgirl. Uh, for just moving forward and throwing combinations and having good uh, distance and good timing. Cause Brandon Davis fought like crap. Honestly, he, he fought a terrible fight. Uh, he didn't look like himself. He's not great, but he's better than that. The but beard he, gives him power. He was fighting really flat and he was like just trying to move just a little bit out of the way. And he was, he was just, wasn't being athletic enough with the way he was fighting and he, he has it in him. Uh, so he was there, he was there for, he was a mark. So he, he got bombed on, but that's like a bunch of knockouts in a row for him. Uh, Dana, so good for you. Um, Jim Miller, that's the one I I know. Oh, I'm not even I'm not even there. I have many more shout outs. Uh, shout out to Danny Roberts for he didn't win, but he did win. He got the decision, oh. and uh, he's been uh, he's been a hoof guy, and he you know he he did some nice stuff, and he uh, he got some interesting. There was some interesting cornering going on because uh, Ramazan Emiv uh, just shoots bad singles from outside. He he gets decent distance on them, and his foot position is pretty good. This is kind of what the dynamic was: is uh, Roberts corner kept talking about the foot positioning they weren't talking about like any of the other like we were just talking about defensive wrestling and like anti-wrestling and stuff they didn't really talk about most of that they were just saying like don't let him get this this foot position like don't let him get outside your lead foot because that's when he's going to hit that single and uh it, it worked for him like he he got better um better reads on the on the entries and he was able to defend better and yeah he he, he dragged a really good fight out of uh Amiv and uh you know did enough to win but you know just shout out to him improving and uh, just doing normal hoof things and kicking the body and throwing left hooks and all sorts of stuff. Uh, shout out to Bruno Silva for just going after the body to get the win against Andrew Sanchez. Uh, comeback win, has, right? Like, what's up? Comeback win, right? Yeah, comeback win. He's getting uh, you know controlled from Turtle and like. like it's Andrew Sanchez. He kind of manufactures those on his own. Yeah, so. so he was he was you know focus styling him the entire fight and then sanchez was a little just backed up a little bit in the third round and he said oh you're done um and, and just started going off and, and bruno silva has like i touch you you die power and he used that on the body uh, so he really wore him down sanchez was not holding up at all and he just got roasted and uh and put away so that sounds very promising him. for a middleweight honestly i don't mm-hmm. think you see yeah, that often. he's not good but he can stick <laughs> around and he, he can he can turn a fight around immediately so like they say like it only takes one that kind of power he has that kind of power it sounds um, like worst guys have been successful. So yeah, uh, no, no shout out to Nate Landwehr because Ludovic Klein fought pretty dumb. Another Sanford guy, unfortunately, Ludovic Klein. Uh, he fought more like himself this time than last time, uh, and Landwehr just kind of ate it. But you know, just Ludovic Klein held up really Not poorly it. whenever uh, Landwehr actually tried to like pressure and push him backwards. He just he's. <laughs> He's like, he gets married to ideas. Like he's just not that versatile. It's weird. 
Um, but just watching him on the regional scene coming up, he was just like really vicious and came after people and threw these hard combinations over and over again to put people out. And now I just like there's so much more space in between what he does and like without the aggression, without that like motor, you might say. Uh, I might say. <laughs> I might and, also uh, say, but I've taken it from you. It's a good, it's a good term. Yeah, without that motor, it's like it's it's much worse. And I don't know if that's him being more conservative because he's in the UFC now and it's harder, you know, theoretically, and he's trying to be careful, or because he got off whatever he was on and he just can't physically fight the way that he did because he looked so flat against Trezano. He did like nothing against Trezano. That would be um, a bad decision too. It's not like Usada's very good at catching people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his deal is, but no no shout outs in order there because it was it was it wasn't it good. Was sad. Yeah. Bad. Um talk to me about Jim Miller. Right. Uh so first of all I have to start out by saying I didn't watch most of this card. So that's kind of an obligatory thing. Like it was um a really okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mean everyone knows what this card was like. Uh, there were a couple of decent guys that I'd already pointed out, but I actually only pretty much only watched the knockouts on those. Uh, but Jim Miller, I watched a good bit of that fight. A really solid left-hand counter. The other guy, Gonzalez, kind of one of those noodly, volumey guys, not all that great. Um, and that got him killed at the end. Jim Miller just timed the uh, the straight as he tried for that weird crescent kick thing. Like, he, goes, he was so out of position. It was kind of insane. Like, normally with a kick, like, you want it to, like, be kind of fast. He was just kind of, like, standing there with his leg all the way up. Like, it was, he wasn't even, like, leaning or, like, he wasn't balanced at all. He was kind of just standing like he got a kick cut, but no one was holding his leg. Mm-hmm. So, Miller just kind of blasts him, and it was nice. That um, yeah. yeah, I mean, not a particularly meaningful win. Kind of like, um, what was I thinking of a specific? Matt Brown against uh, Diego Lima. It was that kind of win, where um, the, the guy you're beating isn't that great, but, you know, you could tell that he has some attributes that can annoy an old fighter, and mm-hmm. he just killed him. So, good stuff. Jim Miller, I mean... Without the Lyme disease, it's tough to know where he could have gone. I don't think he was ever like a real title threat, unfortunately, because I like him a lot. He was a he was a good fighter, um, and he still is a surprisingly good fighter. Yeah, considering how deep he is into his career, like yeah, you have Physically, to curve. He looks but, very effective. Yeah, it's also like Lyme disease. You don't know how that affected everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked completely done a couple years back, and now he's like the guy to give Dustin Poirier his toughest fight at lightweight somehow. <laughs> like it's insane. So um, yeah, just the consummate veteran. I mean, you have to give him a lot mm-hmm. of credit for that. At lightweight, yeah. too. Big shout out to Jim Miller. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel like Gonzalez was trying to walk him down and age bully him, and Miller was having none of it. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to Billy Quarantillo him, but mm-hmm. not too many people can do that. He was walking into left hands, and Jim Miller was like, I'll just keep throwing it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to eat it every time, I hit pretty hard. Yeah, I think uh, he knocked out Gomi uh, a while ago, but yeah, the, one, the one he had before that was uh, Kamal Shalarus, and I remember that. I watched that card. Um, oh, poor Shalarus. All the time. Yeah, he he uh he was very late late in his physical years uh, when he started getting big uh MMA fights. Anyway, and he fought, uh, like, the Khabib, RDA and Miller was uh was silly. Um we don't really need to talk about it. Arlovsky like looked like a good version of Arlovsky. Um he was doing a lot of cool um a lot of cool entries from the outside. Like it wouldn't work against someone who can do counters, but uh, he was like drawing up the high guard and punching around it and hitting the body and exiting on angles and just doing what you're supposed to do to be good. He was doing a little too much of it. Um, wasn't really controlling um, his feet that much. He looked like Gus at times and that got him tired and he almost lost because of that. Um, and Felipe looked uh, like he didn't have a lot of ideas, which yeah, 
Yeah, I think the out. thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing with Felipe is like he hits the body, but other than that, he's just like a gimmick heavyweight whose gimmick happens to be something that's okay. If that makes sense. Like, he you does, know, he does uh when he's like, okay, time for head movement. And he can do some decent fundamentals and heavy movement, but it's not built in. Yeah, it's also like a heavyweight thing. Like, it's there are a ton of heavyweights who can do like one thing. If that makes sense. Yeah. And Felipe's thing is like mean mugging, hitting the body, and like moving his head once in a while. It looks better to us people who can appreciate good things, but if you only do those three things and you're like not good at anything else, you're just as much a gimmick heavyweight. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a game. He's just kind of plotting and does like, oh, and like, oh, it's just mean mugging everywhere. So, you know. We talked about these fights much more than I intended, and that's my yeah. fault. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, shout outs, but we also talked about some people who we explicitly have not shouted out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the main event, basically, the fight is not that interesting at all. Um, Norman Dumont just controlled every potential exchange just by hitting a jab. Uh, and Lad didn't want to walk through the jab, so she just reset every time she got hit with the jab. And that was most of the fight was was that. Um, there were a couple of things that changed, but I don't. it's not really important. But basically, the discussion around this fight at this point is that um, Lad's cornerman, Jim West, was... Being pretty, pretty uh, blunt with her between rounds, telling her like, "Hey, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, this is not, you're not going to win this way. Like, you need to throw, like, in combination. You need to come forward. Um, eventually, it was like you need to lead with your power side. You need to like, you know, go you know, walk right through her, put her on the cage, grapple her, like, attack, 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 like stuff like that. It was, it was all valid advice. Um, so people were upset because you know he was taking a pretty harsh tone with her. And it was multiple times, multiple rounds that happened. So it's like, okay, like you have to listen to this guy berate her over and over again. But he wasn't like coming after her personally at any point. He was just like being mean about his advice. <laughs> it was always just like technical advice and like what she needs to be doing. And she's not doing it. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is what you need to do. You like do this. And I think that was good cornering. Um, she was getting some conflicting advice from another cornerman. So it was probably confusing. Um, makes me think of like Dustin Poirier versus Khabib. Uh, Mike Brown's telling him uh, hold center, and Dia Davis is telling him stay long. And like those are conflicting pieces of information. Um, and he yep. looks justifiably confused when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also kind of a thing where there are some coaches, and like they know their students better than most people. Really, yeah. uh, I remember there was one. I think it was Jeff Neal versus Bilal Muhammad, uh, where Saif Saud, who's like a, a genuinely very good coach. We've seen mm -hmm. him be nice with other fighters. With Jeff Neal, he was like, you know, if you don't get in there and pressure, I'm going to step in there and slap your head off. Oh, like, this. There, was, <laughs> there was some funny shit there. Uh, but, you know, like, Jeff Neal went in and he won that fight. Like, he followed Saif's advice and he won. Uh, so it, it's tough to really complain. I believe there was a fight uh, between Aspen Ladd and someone else. Yannick uh, Kunitskaya. Mrs. Santos, right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, th that fight where Aspen Ladd got, like, some harsh corner advice, went in, immediately killed her, like, three seconds into the fight and ground and powder her. So, you know, maybe that's what that guy was trying to invoke. But uh, there are some other issues with this that we haven't right. yet talked about. So, yeah. So context is important because, you know, if you're seeing someone yell at their fighter, it makes you think, okay, like maybe this is just what their relationship is like. You know, this is what works for her like it did against Yana Kunitskaya. She went out there and just dropped her immediately and, and won. And he's like, okay, this has worked in the past. So you're like, Man, he knows her pretty well. Uh, yeah, he knows her pretty well uh, because that's her boyfriend. So the boyfriend coach, husband coach thing in MMA, in women's MMA, very common, very common, more common than not. Um, most of the time, 
MMA fighters who are in the UFC who are women are dating their coaches. Um, and it's a shame. And the worst part about it is not just because when you're somebody's coach, you have a power advantage over them. Um, it's not a, a equal footing. So <clears throat> that's why, like, even if you, it's like legal, uh, in terms of like age and stuff like that, in certain situations, it can still be considered like institutionally, uh, sexual assault or something like that to have a relationship with someone who's subordinate to you, uh, because they don't have, there's a power uh, disparity. So that on itself, it makes it weird when coaches and fighters are dating. Um, it can work probably, but in this case, um, that's not really the issue. The issue is that Aspen Ladd has been either fighting out of this gym or training at this gym uh, since she was 14, uh, when Jim West was an adult, when he started coaching her, or at least was at the gym with her as an adult. So he's known her since she was 14. She's 26 now. Um, and they've been dating since she was like, what, like 19 or 20 or something like that, you know, officially, like that's when it's been like admitted to, uh, uh, I think Ben and also, uh, Lukash, uh, both posted some stuff just like about a post that he did however many years ago about like throw back to this many years ago when we started training Aspen. Um, so anyway, that's grooming. If you run aware that's, that's, uh, that's predatory. Um, if you have a relationship with a, a young, a young minor, um, and keep developing that relationship and then you date them later on. Um, even if you didn't have a relationship with them, that was necessarily inappropriate. Uh, at the time that they're a minor, it's still uh, inherently predatory to act on that later because you're, you know, again, it's a huge power disparity and it's just like, it's, 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 uh, it's great behavior. And it's, uh, like what you look out for if you've ever done any like training for child abuse, if you ever worked with children, like it's textbook, like if you see this happening, like it's a huge, huge red flag. Um, so <clears throat> with that in mind, him screaming at her in the corner seems horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that's yeah. the context. Yeah. Uh, the comparable situation that's brought up a lot is Pat Berry and Rose Namajunas. Yeah. Um, which is kind of the quote unquote famous one. Uh, I think, I don't know how old Rose was at the time, but Pat Berry was, uh, let's say in contact with her for entirely too long for anyone to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this sort of situation, like I think Misha Tate came out with something um, that, you know, sort of decried it, not from a, this is terrible coaching and, you know, you're such a bad coach. And that, it's not, that's not the right perspective here, I don't think. Just because like in isolation, I think it makes a lot of sense to talk to your student that way, depending on how you've coached them. Yeah. But given the context, it's tough to feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it at the time and I didn't know what they're relationship was like yeah, i thought it was with, super overblown when like i saw the clip yeah. and with all the context it's it's a lot worse so not a fan of that situation in general and i also remember jim west being an idiot because uh when Aspen lab missed weight last time they're like had her on the scale shaking the second time that this has happened so you know, now we have a pattern of her being put into risky situations uh I don't know against her will or if he's pushing for it. I don't know what, um, but just more examples of him being an idiot and not prioritizing her safety, um, which is not good. Cause I think as a coach, that should be on your mind and fighters are stubborn and fighters have egos and they're going to, they're not going to protect themselves all the time. This is what we talk about all the time. It's like, 
you need to protect your fighters. If you're the coach, if you're the corner, if, if you're the referee, if you're the fucking athletic commission, of course, they're not going to. Um, but <clears throat> in this case, they did. Um, they said, you can't fight. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, he, he was he was like clapping back at people who were saying like that it was bad or, or someone was saying she was unprofessional. Um, and he got into it with them on, on Twitter and just like, it was unprofessional. She missed wait by a bunch and she's done it a ton of times. Yeah. She so, moved up on short notice yeah. this time. Like that's fine. She should stay at <clears throat> 145, honestly, for everyone's sake, her sake yeah, and her sure. opponents. Uh, but yeah, again, it comes back to, uh, I mentioned it last week as well. Hacks moral hazard article. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, coaches are always going to put their fighters in positions that they wouldn't put themselves in because they're able to get some of the reward with none of the risk. I mean, they're going to get some risk, but also like, it's not quite as much, which means that you're going to be able to uh, take the sort of risks that you wouldn't take with your own body. Uh, so that's why there are multiple safeguards in theory. There are very few safeguards in practice. So the athletic commission stepping in, that's good. But like realistically, if the athletic commission had the sort of power that one should, she wouldn't have been at 135 for yeah. a pretty long time. Like it just shouldn't be a thing. I'm pretty sure she had some incident uh, uh, before the Jermaine Durandamy fight and then she got knocked out. Uh, and people were like, yeah. oh, she got knocked out. Like, that wasn't a real knockout. But um, she looked bad enough on the scale that I was fine with it, really. Uh, she it got hit very hard. They let her fight. They should not have let her fight. Exactly. And and then she got knocked out. She got hurt badly super early into a fight. And apparently it's not indicative because it got stopped early. Like, fine, but, like, what? I'm glad. I'm glad it, it got it's stopped still, early. <laughs> exactly. And it's still bad that she got dropped that early after a cut that clearly took a piece of her soul. Just stop mm-hmm. doing this. Uh, so, I mean, I think... California might have banned it, but obviously it's a pretty patchwork system across all 50 states, uh, yeah. which, I mean, there has been some news about the UFC not going back to Colorado because they're allowing soccer kicks, which sounds like a bit. So regulatory issues are pretty common, honestly. and uh, It's it's a pretty big issue when it comes to things like this, uh, but there's kind of no fixing it despite the presence of uh, quote-unquote unified rules. Yeah. Uh, water is pretty important. It uh, is part of what protects your skull and your brain. And when you have less of it and then you get hit really hard in the head, you get brain damage a lot easier. So people who cut a lot of weight are putting themselves at risk. And if you had a clearly, obviously bad weight cut and you were severely dehydrated, I don't know, 24 hours, more than 24 hours, around 24 hours between then and the fight, like you're not ready to get hit in the head. Um, and she got hit in the head and she definitely got concussed. So even if it wasn't, that's why like you see people getting knocked down by weird shots, like don't look like they should be concussive. And you're just like, they're, they're fragile. <laughs> they're fragile. So uh, years of weight cutting will do that to you too. Uh, it's not just a weight cut. Um, it's going to wear you down all sorts of ways, but anyway, on to something not less depressing, <laughs> but different depressing as Bellator. It's um, old man depressing instead of brain damage depressing. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, the card in terms of interest starts for me um, with uh, Muhammad Berkhamov, who uh, is a wrestler, did some wrestling. And uh, you can check out some of the things that he did in his fight uh, in a thread that Ryan made. So that used to be Ryan AWAG MMA, but he thinks he's too cool for MMA. And trust me, especially after today, He's We're not too all cool too for cool anything. For MMA. Ryan's not too cool for anything. Ryan's very uncool. I'll put um, it this way: even Ryan's too cool for MMA. We're all too cool for MMA. He changed his handle to Ryan Awag Karate. It's like, oh yeah, you're gonna change it to something cooler than MMA. Karate is cooler. Like, are you trying to make a statement? You don't care about karate. Um, he's a liar. But yeah, he made he made a thread about uh Muhammad Berkhamov. So check that out. 
um, semi-relevant light heavyweights fought. Uh, AC, former ACA champ uh, Yakshi Muradov lost again uh, to uh, the curly-headed Swede that was in Ryzen, uh, Carl Abrexen. I didn't watch it, but it happened. Um, Brent Primus beat Ben Henderson. Did you see it? I didn't watch that fight. I heard about it, and I was kind of surprised. But also, what happened? I, I don't know. Ben, Benson Henderson's been kind of on the slide for a bit, honestly. So That's like, a weird matchup for him to lose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Brent Primus is kind people? of yeah, Brent Primus is kind of generic <laughs> wrestle boxer from what I've seen. Not even wrestle boxer, generic wrestler guy. But he he so. hit that go go plata though. He's got the rubber guard. That's true. Generic wrestle grappler. So is that not part of his game? It's just the thing that he does sometimes. Like I mean, I can't imagine anyone actually having a go go plata in their game. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, my <laughs> game is twisters and Jason Jason Knight. His <laughs> game is lanky boxer with rubber guard. Exactly. Like it's not. It's never gonna lead to actual full success like consistent success so yeah it's probably just a thing he does but that's not really a statement on him it's just more a statement on the gogo plata's place in the game of mm-hmm. anybody uh, but yeah i didn't that's watch probably that a fight. sign that benson henderson's not going to be competitive with anyone good anytime soon yeah i mean getting knocked out by like michael chandler isn't a big deal but at this point it's pretty bad yeah yeah so r.i.p uh speaking of r.i.p uh, Ryan Bader got knocked out like immediately by Corey Anderson. He like barely seconds. got hit and fell over on his face. And then Anderson just swarmed him and did a really good job swarming him and like had good control positions and was laying on the strikes. But yeah, Bader just clearly could not take a shot. And uh, it's kind of seemed that way where he's been getting freaked out by strikes a lot more than usual lately. I think he that was uh, weird to say because he's always been that guy. But... Yeah, but now it's it's he kind of had some phases where like he was getting freaked out by everything. Then he kind of got better. And then he had some bad moments. Then he had a good streak where he was looking competent and functional-ish um, for him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now he's back to being completely skittish. So I think um, he's probably done beating anyone threatening, um, at least anyone threatening who can wrestle. And uh, yeah, Corey Anderson getting some hype, which fine, go for it. Yeah. Uh, it's not really, a, there's not a good reason, but why not? <laughs> Yeah, I think Corey Anderson, when he's in the UFC, a lot of us were like, hey, here's a functional, somewhat improving light heavyweight. I like having like, him in the division, yeah. Yeah, like he was a decent test for a lot of guys, but mm-hmm. also like everything he did seemed kind of wooden and uncomfortable. So none of us were like, when he left the UFC, we're like, well, he could definitely do well in Bellator, but he could also just get like killed by random people. It wouldn't surprise anybody because he was also not super durable. Uh, when he left, he just got flatlined by Jan Blachowicz, which like in retrospect, that's not embarrassing at all. Jan Blachowicz is uh, quite good, uh, especially for a light heavyweight. But it seemed like he might be on the downside, and he went to Bellator and started wrecking shop. Uh, as for Bader, uh, still the Bellator heavyweight champion, which is kind of hilarious to me. It's goofy. Yeah. He should be um, honorable like uh, Patricio Pitbull and, and relinquish his title. <laughs> he should be champion emeritus. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's the way that it should work. But <laughs> yeah, light heavyweight's not going to work for him. Heavyweight's certainly not going to work for him. I don't really know who's at Bellator heavyweight, honestly, but like, I wouldn't really pick him to win that many fights there. Um, just phase you know, this, I assume Bader already beat them. That's true. The they had a Grand Prix, and yeah. they, they've shoved all of their decent, not not even all their decent heavyweights. They put Fedor in there, too. Um, yeah. They just put whoever they could get in there, and now they've all lost, so it's like... Boy, it's the circle of life. Uh, Bader mm-hmm. knocks Fedor out in 30 seconds, and then gets killed by Corey Anderson. Mm-hmm. That's got levels to this thing. So now yeah. you have to do Corey Anderson versus Fedor, so if he beats Bader's record, if he beats Fedor faster, <laughs> then... He gets like a second win over Bader as well. So it's actually a three win net. That'll definitely work. That checks out that math. 
<laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't really see much reason to have strong expectations for either guy at this point. Corey Anderson has been making some noise with uh, Jan Blahovic. You know, they're 1 1, but uh, Anderson's went over Blahovic was like years ago, and Blahovic flattened him on his way out of the UFC and has gone on to some pretty wild success, all things considered. So it seems like a weird debate. And then there's, I think he's fighting Vadim Nemkov next. I've never had some like real takes on Vadim Nemkov. I've heard he's all right. He also knocked out Ryan Bader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if you knock out Ryan Bader, I guess it's like you're okay enough not to get wrestled super badly. Yeah. Vadim Nemkov can do everything. Um, He's a Fedor protege, right? He's a a good one. Yeah, he's a Fedor guy. Um, The fight with Phil Davis is a pretty good one to watch because he doesn't look perfect in it, but he, he strikes normally. Um, and he can wrestle and he's a good grappler. So it's just like, and he's big and athletic and physical and young. So it all works. Is that uh, Alexander Rockets appeal? If I, yeah, but more, more normal, you know, a little more functional, less, less stupid. Um, yeah. So if I described a person like that to you and said they're a light heavyweight, you're like, oh, they're going to win titles. You're like, yeah, exactly. That's so, um, that's, that's where he's at. Um, cool. Uh, do you know who's fighting who next? Like, is Rumble in the mix? There is is Nemkov fighting Rumble? Is Anderson I think Nem- Rumble? Nemkov is fighting Anderson. Uh, okay. Rumble versus the Brazilian guy with one hand that turned Didn't into they already... yeah. Do they have to do it again. No, no, no. They fought, but then that winner got like pulled out or something. I think that might have been Rumble's arrest. So um, oh, I there was that, that Anglicos guy. Oh yeah, and then um, Anglicos just fought Nemkov. But oh yeah, um, Rumble has COVID. I think. Oh, he has it. He has a bad. So a he might not be around for for a while. Yeah. So um, that's the final. The final is Anderson versus Nemkov. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> Moving sounds on fun. to this upcoming card. So, shout outs to people that you want to watch other than the main event. Francisco Trinaldo. That's going to be the easy one. Uh, years ago, we wrote an article, a joint article. I think that's the only one mm-hmm. we've done about uh, Francisco Trinaldo. Clips, so rest oh. in peace. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mine died way earlier because I don't have a premium account. His died recently, I assume. Which they is such permanently a suspended me for an account I pay for. I'm a but, free site. What a Jesus! But yeah, death to streamable, honestly. Um, but yeah, Trinaldo, super interesting fighter. Even now, uh, he's off a fight with a uh, Muslim Salikov, who fought a really clever fight against that him. Was fun. Took a mm-hmm. win. Yeah, uh, but I mean, Trinaldo is also like not a real 170-er. He's not like small for the division, but he's really only moving up because he's like old and having trouble cutting weight, yeah. I'm going to guess. Like, <laughs> the uh, fact he, that he remained cutting to 155 after all that time is insane. Yeah, I think he only missed weight once in his last 155 fight against Jai Herbert. Um, and, you know, that was like in the middle of COVID and he's like 900 fucking years old. So like, it makes sense. <laughs> like, I, 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 th- you look at that dude, he looks like he should be missing weight all the time. So uh, respect to him for only missing weight once, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he moved up to 170 directly after that, which is what you should be doing if you're like that type of person. Trinaldo didn't even look physically compromised where like Aspen Lad did, and it took her like a short notice opportunity and several seizures to do it. So, uh, you know, really a teachable moment from the old to the young. But yeah, Trinaldo, insanely interesting fighter, in my opinion, a really clever Brazilian counterpuncher who is old, which is entirely my brand. Uh, but he also does a lot of uh, fun stuff on the lead, lots of body work. Uh, if you want to see his game, I think a good example is his fight with Paul Felder, who I think yeah. is probably his best win at this point. And I mean, a pretty solid win, really. But like, Trinaldo uh, did a lot of nice pressure stuff, softball double attack, uh, dug to his body against the fence, did some like really clever sort of darts uh, off the fence. Um, it was interesting. He, he fought like he was a lot more nimble than he was, and it worked. 
Uh, so, you know, I think then the last strike of the fight was a shoulder strike. So we beat Conor McGregor to that one. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Trinaldo, uh, he's fighting Dwight Grant. I've never seen anything interesting out of that guy. He hurt uh, Daniel Rodriguez early and then got killed. Uh, he knocked out Carlo Petersoli, who is not that interesting, but it wasn't like the last second of the round. Um, his name is the body snatcher and I've never seen him throw a body punch. Uh, so uh, he's Maybe fighting he a real body snatcher. That that's what it means. Maybe it means he's like, oh, like they're. See, he catches your, bodies. Soul or whatever, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. He catches bodies, but he does not hit bodies. He hits heads. And that only sometimes. So Muay Thai ref calling the body <laughs> snatcher. Catching them before they. <laughs> right. That's a good one. That's a great one. The head catcher. Uh, the, but yeah. Uh, so this should be a pretty easy fight for Trinaldo, in my opinion. But like, you know, old, it's tough to trust him. He did get 10 aided by Jai Herbert before knocking him out. But. Uh, Jai Herbert's also that was fighting. All according to plan. That's true. He had him right where he wanted him. Real Ortega mm-hmm. energy. Uh, Jai Herbert's also fighting. Uh, he's not all that interesting, but I seem to remember that fight being cool. Let's see who that was. Comma uh, Worthy. He's fighting Comma Worthy. Uh, so I'm worried for Comma Worthy in that fight. He hasn't looked all that durable, uh, to say the least. And Jai Herbert is a pretty fast, straight puncher. So it could end up pretty ugly. Mm. But, uh, you know, Worthy's also had some pretty clever approaches going into a couple of his fights early in his UFC career. So maybe it'll work. Maybe he'll just wrestle him like Moicano did. But who knows? I mean, it's really tough to trust Worthy at this point, but Herbert can punch. Uh, let's see. Who else? I'll go. I'll go now. Yeah, I'll do two. You just did two. I'll do yeah, two. I don't have any else. So. Um, so shout out to Mason Jones, who's fighting David Onama, who is the number four ranked lightweight in Kansas and Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know him. So that's all I have to go off of. But Mason Jones uh, is Welsh. He had that fight with, um, you like that? <laughs> he had that fight with uh, Mike Davis, I believe. And Mike Davis came in on like short notice, had COVID, all this crazy stuff. Um, and beat him up pretty bad. And but Mason Jones definitely is a cardio and gym bully, so that'll take him pretty far. Uh, so I guess we'll kind of see what his skill set is in this fight. Um, I think it's been demonstrated before. People like him. People on our Discord like him, so I'm trying to be kind. Um, but yeah, he he just got beat up by Mike Davis a lot. So that's one fight. Check him out. People care about him. And then uh, right above that, Gregory Rodriguez, my my new uh, slow. Uh, hoofed guy that I like. <laughs> um, I just I thought he was uh, he gassed in his last fight, but he looked decent before that. Um, he's fighting uh, the Iron Turtle, uh, Yun Young Park. Yun Young Park, yeah, yeah, and uh, he does some stuff. He, he, I mean, he mostly kind of wrestles these days, right? Yeah, beat up uh, John Phillips just as badly as Chimaev did. If you don't so. beat up John Phillips, it's like, what are you doing, dude? Kevin Holland, <laughs> what are you doing? But. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any takes on Jun Young Park, but I remember Rodriguez being cool. I think he uh, came in in his last fight on short notice, but did some fairly clever things. Uh, don't remember it in any sort of specific detail, but, you know, it was cool. When I liked someone, I remembered that I liked them. I don't necessarily remember why I liked them. Uh, so, you know, the fact that I liked them says some decent things because I personally have very high standards. Uh, you know, like my like liking Michael Johnson, that's pretty high. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know. Oh, sure. We'll see where that guy goes. Uh, but yeah, main event time. Mm, nope, more shout outs. <laughs> I'm not done. Uh, Seung Woo Choi, uh, who flattened Julia Arosa pretty recently. Um, good, tight pocket boxer, seemingly. 
he is fighting Alex Caceres, who is the opposite of that. <laughs> um, so that could be an interesting fight. And uh, shout out to Jesse Jess. Just, I, I Just in her. general, yeah. She's fighting. She's fighting and I love her. Um, and then the co-main event is actually decently meaningful just because I think, uh, you know, first of all, Rick Glenn now goes by Ricky Glenn. So don't you dare call him Rick. It's Ricky Glenn. Um, he knocked out Neto BJJ in like 30 seconds in his last fight. So they were both off years off. So it's tough to say yeah, much. But yeah. He, uh, he came out hot and Grant Dawson, people, people like him and the people I see talk about him are mostly from the betting community. I don't know what their deal is with him, but <laughs> there must be something on his stat line that looks good. Um, but I mean, he's on a pretty crazy streak. He only has one loss from 2016 and um, he's got some decent regional level wins. Uh, he beat Erosa, which is better, which aged very well. Um, he beat Trezano, which has aged decently well. He beat Derek Minner, who I think is also not bad. Uh, basically the same level of guys, uh, Naramani. And then like Leo Santos is, is a pretty darn good win as well. So he's he's had some respectable wins. So I think um, this isn't necessarily a step up. But if he takes care of Ricky Glenn, then I think uh, you see him against somebody pretty good. Uh, yeah, this. I'm pretty sure this was originally a fight with uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda. Okay. This was supposed to be a step up. Makes but, sense. Yeah, I've never really seen much of Dawson. I remember the Santos grappler. fight being weird. Yeah, uh, which I mean, if you're a grappler, Santos fight is probably generally going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he knocked him out in the middle of a leg lock attempt, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just the betting community likes people who are athletic and do things consistently. I think that's enough length of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he might have beaten CDF based on cardio. He also may not have. At this point, it's tough to gauge CDF. But, yeah, I don't really have a ton to say about that. I mean, Rick Glenn, uh, Ricky Glenn. Uh, Jesus. Watch yourself. Watch it, Shuram, okay? He'll find you. He's not playing. Well, how about this? If he pronounces my name right, I'll pronounce his name right. He would. He, would. he understands the importance of names. He would get it right, and Anthony Rocco Martin would get it right. <laughs> you know this. Right. Uh, so... Yeah, I guess we're we've talked about more than the interesting stuff on that card, really. So we're now on to the main event: Paulo Costa Indeed. versus Marvin Vittori, which also I wouldn't say is it's it's a supremely meaningless middleweight fight in a in a division where every fight seems completely meaningless. I feel compelled. This fight is compelling to me. It's compelling, like as a matchup. It also feels like neither is going to go anywhere unless Whitaker beats Adesanya in the rematch. Which I mean, even then, neither is going anywhere because it's Whitaker. Happening. Yeah, I, I, Costa's best shot is Whitaker beating Adesanya, him beating Vittori, and then fighting Whitaker, where, you know, Whitaker is kickable, but he is also more kickable and jabbable. So like, that's not going to go well. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, as far as initial reads on this, it seems pretty, uh, let's say, it's cut into stages. Um, you know, the, 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 the early fight, I think it favors Costa pretty heavily. I don't really think Vittori is the sort of care. Of, oh, he pressures when he can. But I'm also not sure someone who's a more intentional, better pressure can't push him back, uh, especially a big puncher like Paulo Costa, who has that. Like the thing about Costa, he's yes, he's a nutrition fighter, but you can really tell when he hits people, he has like that sort of thudding guard moving power. Mm -hmm. and that's the sort that's going to move guys back. I'm not sure Vittori's fought much of many punchers at middleweight. Uh, his big step up was Jack Hermanson, who is much more of a volume fighter. Uh, like that's like the kindest way to put that, but the mean way would be that he is janky and jerky and doesn't really know how to punch hard at all. Uh, so Paulo Costa is a different story. Um, I think the Southpaw is actually going to help Costa a lot. He's a weird sort of fighter. Who's like an Orthodox who's better against Southpaws. 
uh, the comparison I want to make is Tyron Woodley, but that's kind of unkind. Uh, so <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, a lot of what Costa does is he's an orthodox fighter uh, against other orthodoxes. If he wants to cut guys off with a body kick, he has to go with the switch kick, which he did against Uriah Hall a couple times. Uh, but he's generally most comfortable blasting kicks off his rear leg to the open side and left hooking over the shoulder. Uh, so that's what he did against Yo Romero a lot when he conceded the ring, uh, the ring craft when he you know kind of stood against the fence trying to walk into the counters. Uh, and he's pretty decent as a combination puncher, not amazing. Uh, you need to kind of give him the situation in which he can count combo punch. Uh, but he's obviously very flawed. I just don't know if Vittori's the guy to take advantage of it until Costa blows himself out on an insanely durable golem. And then uh, Vittori's going to probably take over over five. So the, the first thought I had with this fight from a betting perspective was Costa is now an underdog, a slight underdog. So a uh, load up on Costa. And when he beats up Vittori over the first couple rounds, uh, load up on Vittori because he's going to go <laughs> He's he's gonna go plus live. I, I I'm I think if the fight goes the way I expected, Vittori's gonna be a pretty decent plus after round one, maybe round two. Uh, so you know he'll profit either way. So that is uh, Gianni the Indian's advice. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I guess it's not as racist if you do it to yourself. Um. Anyway, yeah, my first instinct with this fight was like, oh man, like I think Vittori is gonna cardio and gym bully him. Um, like I, th- <laughs> I think he might, cause you know, you were describing Costa's power and he does hit really hard. He is powerful. Um, but a lot of it is because he's super jacked and he throws as hard as he possibly can That's true. on pretty much everything. And that's the way he kicks too. Um, kicking, I think mechanically he's a lot more sound. He, he kicks like a horse. Um, that's he, he, I mean, the fact that he doesn't kick more often is just like, I think one, a mistake and two, it might just be because it's taxing physically. Um, more so than apparently wailing on like a John Lineker body hook combination. Um, but yeah, like when he gets off and he gets people standing in front of him and gets their guard up and stuff like that, he's awesome. Um, I love, I love the way he rips the body. I love the way he, he uses mostly hooks, uh, to get what he wants and just starts like flailing round shots around the guard and the body and everything like that. Um, super fun, super fun to watch, uh, someone fight the way that you would expect someone with huge muscles to fight. Like I'm going to bully you with my huge muscles. Um, he's got, he's got a solid chin as well. Uh, not amazing, um, but he's pretty durable. He, he can, he can get through a tough fight, but he definitely slows down. He definitely fights in a way that makes people slow down and his advantage, you know, being really powerful is going to go away. Um, because like I said, his power is him throwing really hard. So when you're tired, like it's a much harder thing to do. Uh, Vittori like is a weird guy to put your finger on in terms of physicality because well, in general he's a weird guy but yeah in terms of physicality he's a hard one to put your finger on because his like his highest highs in every area like he's not fast he's slow um his cardio is good um i it's like a he doesn't really he can't sprint he really can't sprint he can get to a decently high gear and stick with it for a pretty long time and then like his default like i'm tired speed is still a decent pace um it's not bad so he never get like flat out gases he'll get tired but he'll never flat out gas he'll still be good to work um and the fact that it's not that much slower than his normal um work rate is just like a little less volume um or like rate of activity if he's grappling or, or wrestling um it, it drops off a little bit but it's close enough to the original that he doesn't really noticeably get that much worse when he's tired, whereas Costa, it's like a different fighter. Um, so basically, for Marvin Vittori, he's kind of to bank on 
forcing, I think, a high pace out of the fight early on and making sure that, that he's fighting you the whole time and don't let him take his time because, you know, Vittori, despite, like, having the ability to, like, double jab in and actually enter in a normal way and, like, get off combinations, and he, he can box a little bit sometimes. Um, he's decently well-rounded, so he's not, like, eminently yes. hittable by everything, but... He has kind of like the, the basic king <laughs> skill set. I think yeah. it's like the, the most distilled king skill set you could possibly get. <laughs> yeah, he has like double jab from southpaw, straight left hand uh, against uh, Adesanya. Didn't, his left kick didn't really make an appearance, but sometimes it does. Um, yeah. He has decent pressure footwork, nothing amazing. And he can shoot on the cage and finish stuff from there. That's like right. the whole of his skill set. Um, so I don't know. It might work against Costa. It might not. Yeah, his work on the mat's not bad either. I don't see him as like, oh, he's a great grappler, but like as like a mat wrestler, he's pretty decent. Um, he hit a cool switch against Hermanson. Um, but yeah, he can he can just he can wrestle, he can flat out wrestle. Not great, but he can. Um Costa, I think, relies on like athletic bursts to defend wrestling. And he's a grappler at base, but his takedowns suck. Um, so I don't <laughs> think that's gonna be a um a factor. But Vittori is probably gonna grapple him. Uh, as things go go down the line, uh, Yoel Romero made Cost look pretty ineffectual uh, when he took him down off an inside trip, and he's just kind of laid there. It's like okay, like he's once he's tired, he's like not really gonna do anything <laughs> as a grappler. So I, I expect that fight to go that way. Um, but yeah, it'll just be interesting, like who's pressuring who early on. Is Costa gonna have his foot on the gas? Is he gonna be trying to do prove whatever point he was trying to make in the Izzy fight? He's like, no, no, guys, this will work. Just this is how it was supposed to go. Um, but I don't know. It's like. I, I don't trust either of them at all, but that's why it's a fun fight because I don't, I'm not invested. I'm not invested yeah. in who wins. I, I don't really care about either of them. So I'm cool with them just to have like a silly and or brutal fight. Like I think they're going to hit each other really hard a lot within the first couple of rounds. And then things are going to break either Vittori gets finished or broken down to the body to the point where he's gassed or gets finished. Cause that could happen. Um, or, Costa wears himself out and Vittori is still fresh and can do what he does. So um, those seem like the the potential narratives. Yeah, I think the situation is you can't really trust Costa to be what we've seen at his best. You know, we've seen yeah. the Romero fight from him at least where he could push a good pace for two rounds that would finish pretty much anyone, finish pretty much anybody. And then it's just like, you know, he's going to gas. That's obvious. But like if he's that good early, I think Vittori probably gets hit too much, too hard, too fast. And it probably ends up too bad. But the one thing that I can trust Vittori to do is be just painfully mediocre at pretty much everything. So, like, you know, it's middleweight. That's good enough to be good if you have the athletic base that Marvin Vittori has. But uh, that's the thing, right? Vittori has, like, a, a steady low point, and it's up to Costa to sort of jump above it. Uh, but I don't know if you can really trust that. It's a weird fight. Like, I know, like, a lot of what Costa does, it does depend on him swinging really hard. But he has had moments uh, that left hook that dropped Romero at the beginning of the fight, that was fucking clean. It was amazing. It's a really tight, clean hook that we've never seen from him again. Uh, so, tight like Luke, Luke Rockhold's pivots. That's definitely Not true. what you thought I was going to say was tight about Luke Rockhold. It was a <laughs> No, that's exactly what I thought. We've uh, <laughs> we've talked a lot about that particular quote. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. Like th There are ways in which Costa can make this fight pretty easy, I think. Uh, if he you know, really insists on the front foot... Uh, Vittori has looked eminently kickable in pretty much all of his fights. Adesanya was the big example, but also like Adesanya is a really good kicker. So it's not, it's tough to take a ton away from him, but he also mm -hmm. didn't have any responses whatsoever. Like both guys are super kickable, but Costa is by far the more fervent offensive kicker, especially in open stance. Uh, so 
you know, I think there's a good chance Costa can just walk him onto a couple body uh, body kicks, force Vittori to take the back foot and start doing his thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I always feel bad picking people who have a timer. And I think Costa's definitely the one with the timer here. Like, it's, I don't know. Like, if you can go five rounds at middleweight, that's by itself an advantage, you know? Right. It's the most annoying thing. Can. It's the most annoying thing you can say. But, like, that's the biggest edge. Guys like Adesanya, guys like Whitaker. And that's the reason guys like Vittori and Hermanson are even relevant. It's because they can go five rounds. And guys like Kelvin Gastelum, they can go five rounds without phase in and out. There's um, Kevin Holland, who's just bad. Uh, there's, <laughs> I mean, like how many guys, right? Like if they have skill sets, they can't go five rounds with it. Um, so by the time you get to the top, you've fought no one who can go five rounds, which is the issue. But yeah, that's the thing. Is Costa, like his best win by far is who, one person who also couldn't really go five rounds at a decent pace. He's just built a good skill set around not doing that, limiting the pace. Well, either is in a five-round fight and he would have won if it was three rounds because he got tired or he was in a three-round fight and he lost because he didn't realize it wasn't a five-round fight. <laughs> Romero has won every fight he's ever been in, in my humble opinion. That's correct. Including Feijal. He, he did not Including. lose to Feijal. Yep. But, No explanation yeah. required. That's the thing is I think I have to go with Vittori. As much as I like Costa's game a lot more, I think like I've seen a lot more impressive things out of Paulo Costa than I have from Vittori. Beating Romero aside, just like stuff he does, a, a, a dedicated body hitting game to even out the cardio, a good counter punching even, a solid kicking game. Vittori is just going to exist at him until he dies. And I hate picking against those sorts of fighters just because when you know someone can gas and existing is enough to break them down, someone's going to exist at you like offensive like like that's what existing at someone means it's not even just existing it's your existence is an affront to them it's offensive and that's what i think is going to happen uh so yeah unfortunately i'm going to have to favor vittori here uh costa's probably better against certain matchups like i think costa probably gives whitaker some early trouble where vittori just kind of gets owned but i think it's the sort of fight where vittori eventually pulls ahead um I'm rooting for Costa. Same. I'm picking Vittori. Damn it. I was hoping you'd give me hope. Nope. Uh-huh. I, th- I, th- I feel the same way you do. <sighs> well, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully Costa comes in completely sober. Uh, I hope he's drunk in the cage. <laughs> it's that kind of fight. I don't want him to be drunk just because that's a depressant. I hope he comes in hopped up on like methamphetamine mm, and just ADHD walks meds. in. Kevin, yeah, just... uh, Kevin Lee got popped for him. Respect. Like I respect that so much. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> just if you're going to take a drug like in the fight, that's exactly what you need to take. <laughs> Kevin Lee coming out as a uh, neurodivergent. <laughs> what a brave man. He's a Barney bro. Again, just double respect for Kevin He's Lee. He's the ultimate millennial fighter. <laughs> He's that former gifted kid. <laughs> oh my God, that works so well. <laughs> now nice. he's depressed. Nice. Glad we arrived at that. <laughs> right. But yeah, I hope Costa comes out hot, makes it a fight, um, knocks him out. But if that doesn't happen, I think it's unfortunately very tough for him. Yeah. And then uh, Robert Whitaker will beat whoever in his first title defense after dethroning Israel Adesanya. I don't think Whitaker Adesanya is going to happen. I think it's going to be. They're not going to fight. They're not going to fight. I think that's okay. just, it's just fate. Whitaker's going to keep doing the TJ Dillashaw thing of defending the belt without having the belt. Um, Adesanya is going to fight, I don't fucking know, Darren Till next. 
Maybe out of two middleweight titles that exist simultaneously and they just take turns fighting everyone in the division. Yeah, it's like you have the you know how like in um in WWE there's like the WWE title, which no, like I don't know. Okay, well I'll explain it to you anyway. There's like the <laughs> WWE title, which has like all these guys like the fucking rock and like old ass Goldberg coming in, and there's like uh-huh. the Intercontinental title, which has all the actual good people fighting for it. That's what it's gonna be like. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's when like you're you old have- enough, you transcend continents and you fight for a different <laughs> belt. Like the Intercontinental belt has all the people who aren't marketable enough to fight for the WWE belt. Mm. So you get like, I don't fucking know, Wade Barrett and shit, like guys who weren't supposed to, didn't get the push. Never That's what it's going to be like. It's going to be like Robert Whitaker holding the Intercontinental belt, defending against everyone who deserves it, while Adesanya goes up and gets squished by Glover Teixeira or something. I like that you gave Whitaker the real belt. Yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> I mean, that is what's going to happen, right? Like the Intercontinental is technically subordinate to the WWE belt, but anyone who watches knows there's one to watch and it's not the big one. Hmm. Well, I understand now. <laughs> it's a good very stuff. good analogy. <laughs> I think so. All right. I think we're done here. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>